0: Good morning, Embrace. Good morning. Oh, that was great. Have I trained you well? That was awesome. Um, I am one of the associate pastors here. My name is Tanya Torp, and I want to welcome you. If you're new or you haven't been here in a while, uh, we'll have an opportunity in a little bit so that people can actually come to you and welcome you. Don't be scared. We're nice. Um, But for now, I just want to be the official welcome party for you. Um, There's a couple things that we want to share with We have an announcement sheet so you should have picked one of those up when you came in if not have feel free to go and grab one when you get the opportunity but there's a couple of really amazing things that are happening in the church and we want to make sure that everybody knows about them for my online people i will post them in just a few minutes when i get back to my seat when i join you online just so you know there are also people that are in the congregation who are talking to our people that are online who've joined us for a really long time online we have a thriving online community so they're not back there just like doing TikToks. They're actually talking to people online, just so you know. Uh, We also have connect cards if you are new with us or if you have a prayer request. We have a dedicated team of prayer people who love to keep your prayers uh, in their hearts and also to pray for them, but also they keep them confidential. And so if you would fill that out, we'd be glad to pray for you. You can also put them in the boxes that are back there. that says embrace. There are wooden boxes. There's one up here as well. And that is where you also can continue worship by tithing. You can tithe into those boxes as well also want to make sure that people know, if you're new with us, um, that we do have another room in, our, um, in a connection room back here um, where you can go and watch the uh, service so that if you have to like, step away. I like to tell people all of my family is neurodivergent and sometimes it gets a little loud or we just feel like being in the other room to spin. So go back there if you need to. The service is spinning for you to be able to uh, enjoy it so you'll be able to see that in the cafe. Um, And I think that's all I have for you. So I want to turn it over to the worship team to let you know that we are very glad to have you in the worship team.
1: Take it away. Thank you, Pastor Tanya. I'd like to invite you to stand and join us for the call to worship this morning. It will be on the screen behind us here. (coughs) Oh, Lord, let my soul rise up to meet you as the day rises to meet the sun. Glory Glory to to the the Father and to the Son and to the the Holy Spirit, Spirit. as it It was was in the the beginning, is now and will be forever. Amen. us in a confession together this morning. We know that nothing is able to separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ. Let us in freedom confess the wrong we have done. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love we have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Now we're gonna turn to one another and share a few moments of gratitude and lament. If you are new with us, that just means that this is an opportunity to connect with one another in our community this morning. We don't want you to just come and show up and talk to no one and feel lonely when you leave. Um, This is really a family here at Embrace. And so the idea of this time is really just that we get to connect with one another. So gratitude is if there's something in your life that you're grateful for or happy about or celebrating today, feel free to share that. And lament is if there's something that's heavy and weighing on you. And if you're protesting something that's going on in the world or even in your own life, you can share that too. And you can share both or one or the other We believe you can have both things going on inside you at the same time. There's room for all of it here in worship this morning. So let's just take a couple minutes to talk with folks close to us, and then we'll come back together and sing. As you wrap up your conversations, we'd love to invite you to sing with us again.
2: Man, Well, we're going to spend a moment in prayer. If anybody would like to join me at the altar, you're welcome to come and kneel here. But let's just take a moment to sit with God in prayer after we have worshipped through music. When we're done, we'll close with the Lord's Prayer. Lord, we gather here today bringing a lot with us. We bring lots of joys and gratitude, and we bring lots of sorrow and grief. In some ways we feel light, in many ways we feel heavy. And We're seeking to make sense of it all and find your path in the midst of a complicated life and difficult world. We know that there's beauty all around us, yet we also see so much pain and suffering. And God, we pray that we could see you through the midst of it all; that we could see your light shine through in the midst of the darkness. That Lord, we could hold on to hope, even when it feels really hard to hold on to hope. That we could uh, have some joy, and even dance in the midst of dark, difficult world. Lord, today we just want to first and foremost declare how beautiful and how wonderful you are, how awesome and powerful you are, our creator. You are the majestic and powerful and just awe-inspiring God. And at the same time, you're our friend who gets down in the muck with us. You walk through the difficult things with us. You you hold us and you're there with us when we feel like we can't go any further. God, it doesn't make sense that the God of the universe loves us that much and wants to be our friend and not only loves us, but likes us. And we are grateful for that. and We're just so struck, Lord, each time we gather by how wonderful you are. God, we also come together with things on our hearts, Lord. There's been folks in our community who've had difficult medical diagnosis uh, and are struggling through thinking through next steps, you know, of how to address health concerns that they're having and and feeling overwhelmed by that. We pray that you would be their friend and their wisdom as they make important decisions and think about their future, that you would be extra close to them and bring healing to their, their bodies, We also have folks in our community who have lost loved ones and people that they care about and are recently and and in the last few years and, and are just still feeling and holding that grief and walk with it every day. And we just pray that you would be their friend as well. We also want to lift up folks from our community and all across our world who are facing just seemingly impossible situations that feel so overwhelming and and. And that are full of violence and suffering and loss, and, and God, we pray that you would be their comfort in the midst of these situations, but Lord, you would also be power, that you would bring change. We pray, come, Lord Jesus, come and set this world right, Lord. We pray for those who are dealing with just the awful effects of gun violence, and this morning I just saw, Lord, in Baltimore, another mass shooting, and God, we just lift that community up to you and just pray, God, that you would bring change um, and whatever means that you can use, Lord, to bring change to this just really tragic uh, situation we continue to see repeat itself over and over and over again in our nation. Lord, we also pray for those who have been impacted by these violent storms that have rolled through uh, so many parts of our country and And God, we just pray that you would be with them, that you would help bring restoration and rebuild uh, the many things that were lost in their lives. We pray for those who are feeling just the weight and the effects of some Supreme Court decisions that came down recently, and and God, just the injustice of some of the things we're seeing and the way that many communities in our nation are just feeling very, very overwhelmed and, and struggling, we pray for them as well. God, there is so much that is going on right now, and it can feel very overwhelming and disheartening at times. And and God, we just pray we could find some light in the midst of it, and that this morning we could leave here feeling a bit more encouraged and connected to each other and to you, and that we would leave here with our heads a little bit higher, and we'd leave here with a little more courage, a little more confidence, and ultimately looking more like Jesus. And now we join together and pray this prayer that Jesus taught us his disciples to pray. Man, Well, thank you all for praying with me this morning. I have one announcement I just want to highlight this morning, and similar to one I've made recently about the nursery, but um, we had great response uh, when we asked for volunteers for our nursery, and a few of you all stepped up. Yeah, give yourselves a hand for that. Thank you all so much. Uh, I hope I didn't lay it on too thick, uh, but uh, I truly do believe that... um, any, any community has to, to really embrace our young people um, in, in every way we can. And that means showing up for them and being there for them. And, and one thing that, another, another need that we have is, is we need some people to help volunteer with our Wonder Room, which is for kind of elementary age kids. And it is essentially volunteer run. Uh, Christina provides oversight for that and organization and helps plan the curriculum and all that. But like the day in and day out stuff every single week is run by volunteers. And it create, takes quite a team because now we have three classes. We used to have just two, but we have so many kids in our church now that we had to have three because it was getting a little crazy uh, with just two. And so we've split up and we have three classes now, which is awesome. But that means that we need more volunteers to help uh, lead that third classroom in particular. We've also had some long time volunteers uh, that, that I believe some of them might be stepping off to take a break because we all need to take a break sometimes. And so we're needing some new folks that would be willing to step up and help lead in the Wonder Room. And it's a commitment where you commit to once a month, right? So it's just once a month, and you will be here for the worship part of the service, and then you would go up with them just for the sermon. Um, if you really want to hear what the sermon is, you can listen online, you can watch on YouTube, you can come on Monday night even and hear it on that particular week. But our kids are just amazing. We've had so much uh, wonderful stuff happening. We've had a couple of kids baptized in this year, which has been great. Uh, One of them is here today, Ellie, I think. Um, She was baptized recently. And it's just really neat to see that they're seeking after Jesus and learning so much about God and themselves and our world and asking wonderful questions. And you could have an opportunity in being a part of that transformational change in their life just by volunteering in there once a month. You know, I... I shared this story and I'll share it again because it's really one of my favorite stories in the Bible. It's in Mark chapter 10 where these mothers are bringing children to Jesus and the disciples try to keep them away and say, essentially saying Jesus has got more important things to do. All right. There are adults here. There's lots of problems and crises going on. Jesus got to heal people. He's got a lot going on. He doesn't have time for these little ones. And Jesus like sternly uh, rebuked his disciples in that moment and used that as a teaching lesson for them and he told them he said hey no you don't do that you let the children come to me and he's even said in other places that the kingdom of heaven belongs to these little ones that if you want to know what god is like that's the place to start first is look at our children and and so i truly believe that that jesus uh would spend some time in the nursery. He'd also probably be a Wonder Room storyteller. Jesus told a lot of stories and he hung out with kids. And so I'm, I'm sure Jesus would be up there. He'd be hanging out with the youth as well. You know, he'd spend a lot of time with our young people in our church. And so um, we're talking this morning about being like Jesus. And, and that is a great way, um, I believe, to, to be like Jesus. It's not the only way, but it is a good way uh, to be like Jesus. And so if you're interested and willing to um, at least talk to Christina about what that entails. You can ask some Wonder Room volunteers that we have, and they'll tell you, uh, many of them, that it's a wonderful experience and they love it so much. Um, but Christina will tell you all about it if you have any interest at all. So there's a couple of roles. You can be a storyteller, which, if you like to do that part where you're telling the story, you're engaging them that way, um, you can do that. But then we also have doorkeepers, and they're there just to support um, and, and be kind of a stable presence in the room and just help and assist with what whatever's needed. And so... Um, Christina can tell you lots more about it, but please, if you have any interest at all, please talk to Christina, and we'll keep talking about it for the next week or two. So I want to read our text for this morning. Um, We're still in the book of Romans, and like I told you a couple weeks ago, we're going to be reading Romans backwards. We're following uh, Scott McKnight, who wrote a book called Reading Romans Backwards. We're following his guide, um, where he uh, really challenges us to think About Romans starting from the end and working our way to the beginning and that will help us understand all that theology at the beginning of the book if we understand the context and what was going on in the community that's talked about at the end of Romans. So today we're going to be reading Romans 12. A friend of mine, Justin Rohr, is a pastor at Restoration, another church not too far from here, and he's in Romans right now. And I found out recently he's spending the whole summer just on Romans chapter 8, just one chapter. And I, I was like, dude, what? That's crazy. And I was like, I'm trying to do all of Romans in like seven weeks, you know. So uh, we're taking very different approaches. Uh, so you can go check out his sermon series and see how he tackles Romans 8. But we're, we're moving along. We're already in Romans 12, and we started at 16. So we're going to be picking up some speed, and we'll get all the way to the beginning uh, eventually by the end of this month. So I'm going to read our, our text. We're going to actually read a text from Romans chapter 8 and Romans chapter 12. So Paul says, For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. I'm honing in on that phrase, to be conformed to the image of His Son. Romans 12:1 through 2 Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, So when we began our series on Romans just a few weeks ago, I told you all that I had some history with Romans. And some of y'all nodded and said, I got some history with Romans too. Some of it might be a wonderful history, and some of it might be a little bit harder history uh, that you have with Romans. I specifically shared about an experience I had when I was an altar minister at Igthus Music Festival. Didn't know what I was getting myself into. Guy came forward after the message by Louis Giglio, and he wanted to give his life to Jesus. He wanted to live with purpose and meaning in his life. And I opened up the Bible to Romans and tried to walk him down the Romans road to salvation. And this young man was searching for a gospel that had power for this life. And all I did was offer him a gospel that assured him of an afterlife. And I left that experience feeling discouraged and really embarrassed because what I shared with him did not connect with what he was searching for. I have more history with Romans. When I selected our text for preaching this week, my mind immediately went back to a few years ago when I was in college. Um, I was volunteering at my old youth group. I grew up at a church here in town, Centenary, and I grew up in their youth group. And my, my main youth pastor that I had most of that time was a guy named Ryan Young. And, and I, I'd grown up in that youth group. And when I was in college, I was here in Lexington for a few months for a semester of college. And I got involved just helping out with the youth group a little bit. And the youth pastor, Ryan Young, uh, I told you about, invited me to go on a mission trip with this group to Costa Rica as a leader. Now, I'd been on trips to Costa Rica with Sitnery's youth group as just a participant. Um, but this time he's like, John, I, I want you to come as a leader and we'll pay for your trip and... You can help us out and kind of do your thing. And I was like, yeah, I get to be a leader. That sounds really cool. And I loved Costa Rica, and so I was really excited to go back um, on that trip. And he told me beforehand, he said, the very first night we get there, we're going to go to the airport, we're getting on vans, and we're going to drive a pretty long drive to a church in this village we're staying in, and they're going to have a worship service. It's the first thing we're doing, and they want someone from our group to preach at this worship service. And he said, John, I want to know if you are interested in preaching the sermon at this worship service. And I'd never really preached a lot when at that point in my life. I'd done a couple of little testimonies here and there. Um, but, you know, I was nervous about it, but I was actually excited. I was like, oh, I get the opportunity to preach. That sounds cool, you know. And, um, and, and just a side note, Mike, my youth leaders were so intentional about giving me chances to do stuff like that. And I'm just so grateful for them. Um, but I was nervous, but I was really excited um, at the same time. Now, he told me about this, and, and I asked him, I said, now, I don't really know what to preach on. Can you tell me, like, some examples, a text maybe in Scripture that I could use? And he, he told me, he's like, well, here's a text I think you could preach on. How about Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, which was the second Scripture I just read for you all. Now, I was like, all right, sounds good. Now, something to know about me: uh, when I was in college, I was a procrastinator. I put things off. do y'all anybody a procrastinator in the room? Uh, I was really good at putting things off. I would, I would usually get done what I needed to get done, uh, but it was often at the very last minute and not the highest of quality uh, because when you put things off till the end it 's usually not your best work i 've learned i don 't do that as much today, um, particularly uh, with preaching but um, what, what I often do, if it's something I think will be hard, or something I don't feel very good about, or something I don't want to do, I'm really good at putting that off until I, the very last minute. So I read the text, uh, Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2, that he told me about, and I was like, this ain't speaking to me at all. I was like, I have no idea what to say about these verses. I don't understand even what Paul is talking about here. And so I just put off writing the sermon. I said, I'll get to it eventually. And I put it off and I put it off. I didn't write it before we even left for the trip. I didn't write it on the plane ride on the way to Costa Rica. We got to the airport, had a little bit of time there as we were waiting for the vans. Didn't work on it then. I waited until the van ride from the airport to the church to try to figure out what I was going to preach. Now, I was not a good preacher, and so that's not something I should have done. Um, it was a long ride, but it was certainly not long enough to figure out how I was going to preach this sermon. I think I was in the back, like, asking, like, the youth. I was like, hey, what do y'all think about this text? (laughs) Trying to figure out, like, what I'm going to do. Now, I got up when we got to that church, and I preached the worst sermon I've ever preached, uh, by far. I blocked it out of my mind. I have no idea what I said. um, But I do remember how I felt about that sermon, and I felt very terrible about that message I gave. Um, There's a picture here. That's me uh, preaching that sermon. I don't look very happy. If you can see, I'm like, look really nervous, you know, I'm not even looking up at the people. It's probably how I did it most of the time. But the other man there was named Carlos, and fortunately I had an interpreter, and almost everybody that wasn't part of our group spoke Spanish, and didn't un- they didn't know English. And so they couldn't hear what I was saying. And so my interpreter, Carlos, he said to me afterwards, he patted me on my back, he said, don't worry, John. He's like, I didn't tell him what you said. <laughs> and so... I gathered that he preached a totally different sermon, and he's that good, where he was just coming up with stuff in the silent, and when I was saying, and he was saying something different in Spanish. Now, I'm sure Carlos preached uh, a better sermon than I did. (laughs) This past week, I've spent a good amount of time reflecting on that text that I preached uh, many years ago in Costa Rica. I want to read it for you one more time. Paul says, therefore, I urge you, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. And he's really saying in view of all this stuff I've told you in chapters one through 11, heard a, there's a cheesy phrase that seminary professors use. They say, if you see a therefore, ask, why is it therefore? <laughs> um, and, and so therefore, he's talking about all that's come before. And now it's, a, it's really a hinge, a, a point in Romans where things shift. He's like, in view of all God's mercy, all the things I've shared with you, here's what you need to do. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. I've come to love these verses, actually, and they've become very important to me in my life. And one thing, I've, as I've reflected on Carlos and that experience in Costa Rica, I've come to see that Carlos, he preached Romans 12 better than me, not because of his words, but because Carlos actually lived out Romans 12. Carlos has been a good friend of mine for a long time, actually. I met him in Costa Rica. He's a Costa Rican man who was a missionary to his own people there in Costa Rica. He's become a good friend of mine, and he's been a mentor to me over many, many years. And we don't get to talk a lot um, anymore, but he is someone in my life who really pointed me to Jesus, more than probably most people in my life. And it's not because of eloquent eloquent words. It's not because of charisma. It's not because of he's got this, like, special talent or anything. It's because he reminds me of Jesus by the way he lives his life. I see the Scriptures come alive in Him. He embodies Jesus for me. In other words, I see Jesus in Him. Do you all have people like that in your life where you look at them and they remind you of Jesus? I believe this is what this text is all about. And really what Romans is all about. Offering your body is about giving yourself fully to God. It's giving yourself fully to God to become more and more like Jesus. Romans 8.29 reads, For God, for those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Now, I'm not going to get into the whole predestination argument today. We'll save that for a a later sermon this month. But I do want to focus on the fact that God's chosen people are meant to be conformed to the image of Jesus. To conform is to become like something. It's to become similar. When I was a, a teenager, I found that I conformed to the people that I looked up to. It's just like... Teenagers are always conforming to their group and to their people, right? Because, like, they're trying to figure themselves out. And, and to conform means to become similar, to become like. Paul argues that God's people are to conform to the image of Jesus, to become like Jesus, to be formed and shaped by Jesus to such a degree that we start looking like him. We talk like Jesus. We walk like Jesus. We treat other people like Jesus. We see the world like Jesus. We listen to people like Jesus. We think like Jesus. We love like Jesus. Scott McKnight argues that the whole point of Romans is what he calls Christoformity. Now, Christians like to make up words like this sometimes. It's a a silly word, but it essentially means that we are formed and shaped to look like Christ. That we become more like Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. Sometimes when I pray on Sundays, I, I say my prayer is that we leave here looking more like Jesus. This is Christoformity. And this is what I believe is Paul's purpose in writing Romans. He wants the Christians in Rome to look like Jesus. To be conformed to the image of Jesus. When I think of Carlos, I think of Jesus. And that's because Carlos embodies the life of Jesus by the way he lives. He's been so formed by sh- and shaped by Jesus that he started looking like him. In Romans 12.2, Paul warns the Christians in Rome. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. And so he had laid out in Romans 8, just a few chapters before, that we are to conform to the image of Jesus and then he warns them in chapter 12, don't conform to the patterns of this world. Perhaps he understood what Bob Dylan understood in his song where he says, you've got to serve somebody. Whether we know it or not, we're serving somebody. We are being formed and shaped all the time by powerful forces. And these forces are often destructive And leading us to be uh, people that maybe we're not meant to be. That's not fully healthy for us. Paul was writing to Christians in the center of the Roman Empire. And Rome was good at seeking to conform its people to be the ideal Romans. All empires do this really well. They have lots of ways to help shape and form us into the people that they want us to be. And so the way Rome shaped people was often very different from the way Jesus wanted to shape people. For example, just one example that we've talked about here. Through Rome's philosophers and media and propaganda, Rome taught that there was this hierarchy in society that some people were more important than others. Even in the household, there was a hierarchy. And you were supposed to live into this in order to be an ideal Roman citizen. Yet Jesus came in claiming, no, God actually intends to abolish all those hierarchies, and everybody is equal equal in the eyes of God. And so the Roman kind of way they wanted to shape people was very different than how Jesus was seeking to shape people. This week, many will celebrate Independence Day in the United States. And through parades and speeches and events and concerts and gatherings, America is going to tell a version of its story that says a lot of things and some of it is true and some of it is a bit of a stretch one thing in particular that we're going to share is that God shows special favor to this country that our country is the greatest in all the world that we value equality and justice above everybody else and these holidays often are meant to shape and form us into ideal Americans so much so uh that, that, that we, we often just accept it blindly, and we're just conformed to the patterns of this world instead of being conformed to the way of Jesus. And it's just one small example. So my question for us to think about is, what is forming and shaping you? It's often a hard thing to answer, right? Because we're formed and shaped in very subtle ways over very long periods of time. And I think first we've got to acknowledge that it's happening, that we are being formed and shaped and impacted by forces all around us at all times. And these are often forces that are destructive and manipulative and not designed to bring wholeness and peace to our lives and to the world. And so what is forming and shaping you? Some questions I've had to ask myself over the last few years, and maybe you do as well. What media do you consume? What voices are you listening to? How do you spend your time? Who are your mentors? What books do you read? How do you spend your money? Who do you talk? uh, Who do you spend time with? Who are your friends? What do you do on your smartphone? What shows are you consuming? All of these things and so much more forms and shapes us and molds us. And all of this is not bad. You know, often, like, it's easy for Christians to talk about the boogeyman out there, the world, you know, and the culture, and be scared of all this stuff. You know, I don't think we have to be afraid. The world has a lot of beauty and wonderful things in it. God created the world, right? And there's so much wonderful stuff all around us, and so many ideas and thoughts that can help us in our lives. In other places in Scripture, Paul argues that we should really be sifters of the things of this world. He says whatever's good and noble and praiseworthy and excellent think on these things, right? And and those things don't always come from scripture. We can find God's presence and beauty all around us. But we have to be sifters of the things of this world. We have to discern what is helpful and keep it and what is harmful we we discard it. And this is we have to be critical thinkers about this stuff and we've got to look at all of it. Is this practice Or this item, or this relationship, or this group, or this thing helping me become more like Jesus? Or is it leading me somewhere else? Let's go back to 2020 just for a moment. Say 2020, we probably was like, jump back. I think this will happen forever, right? It was like a monumental year for us. The pandemic hit us. We had racial uprisings all across the world. A volatile presidential election. Massive division and even hatred. And, and as I was home a lot during the pandemic, as many of you all were as well, I found myself on my phone more, scrolling through social media, Twitter and Facebook and all other things, and, and I found that the more I scrolled, the more anger I felt at other people, the more I scrolled, the easier it was to demonize people, the more I scrolled, the closer I got to hatred, I stopped liking people that were once my friends. And I needed some of that information I was consuming, but I don't think I was being careful enough. And I allowed that vitriol and that hatred and that anger to impact me. I was being shaped and formed and conforming, really, I believe, to the patterns of this world. And I didn't even realize it when it was happening. There were Christians, even, I had to stop following and say, I'm not going to read this stuff anymore. Because they didn't remind me of Jesus at all. Some of them were claiming Jesus' name and a fight for justice, but didn't remind me at all of the Jesus that I encounter in the Gospels. We are all being formed and shaped by so many powerful forces all around us. And Paul is challenging us, I believe, to consider all of it and ask the question, does this help me look more like Jesus? My wife got me a new Bible for my birthday and funny gift for a pastor because I got a lot of Bibles, but she knows that I would have liked this Bible because I'd never seen this Bible. Um, I think Pastor Tanya might have this Bible or has read it before, but it's it's called the First Nations Version. It's an indigenous translation of the New Testament, and it's written from the perspective of indigenous folks who were already here in America before uh, we claimed to settle this country and discover this place. and And I love this version because it It's beautiful, many of the ways that they translate the Scriptures. And I love how this Bible translates Romans 12, verse 2. It says, Do not permit the ways of this world to mold and shape you. Instead, let Creator change you from the inside out in the way a caterpillar becomes a butterfly. He will do this by giving you a new way of thinking and seeing and walking. Then you will know for sure what the Great Spirit wants for you. Things that are good, that make the heart glad, and that help you walk the path of becoming a mature and true human being. You know, I see Paul's goal with these Christians in Rome like this. He wanted them to walk that path of becoming mature and true humans. And who did Paul believe was the most mature and true human ever to walk the earth? It was the person Paul gave his life to follow, Jesus of Nazareth. So Jesus is the model. Jesus is the one we seek. Jesus is the one we embody, that we imitate as we live together in community in this beautiful and difficult world. So some questions that you can begin just to think about in your own life. What is shaping and forming you? Are there things that you might want to cut out of your life? What do you need to add into your life? Are you spending time cultivating that friendship with Jesus so that you get to know Jesus more and know Jesus' heart and be transformed from the inside out? You know, I love how Romans 12 ends. It's it's some of the most powerful scripture, and and I gave you all, most of you, unless you came in late, uh, cards that have these verses on them. But if you want to know what a life conformed to the image of Jesus looks like, it's ultimately a life of love. And it's a life of love for God, a love for others, and a love for ourselves. Jesus taught this. He said that all the commandments, everything can be summed up like this. Love God and love your neighbor as you love yourself. The entire New Testament is in agreement on this. Like, I believe this. I've studied the New Testament. It agrees from the beginning of the New Testament to the end. And really, the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, agrees on this fundamental idea as well. That to be a Christian, to follow God, to love God, is to be a person who is full of love. Romans 12, 9-21 gives 29 different instructions. And the heading in the NRSV On this section, these headings were added later. They weren't a part of the original Greek text, but they try to sum up these different sections to make it easier to track as you're reading through the Bible. But the NRSV folks, they they labeled this section Marks of the True Christian. And the NIV labels this section as Love in Action. And I think they go hand in hand because I think the true Christian is the one who loves Jesus And puts that into action in the way they live their lives. They love like Jesus. And so I'm going to close just by reading these verses for you. And you can follow along on those cards. But I want you to picture Jesus if you want. I mean, we don't know what Jesus looked like. And so you can picture uh, something that comes to your mind that reminds you of Jesus. But these verses are instructions for us. But ultimately... I can read through these and just plug in Jesus' name in front of all this stuff. And this is really what Jesus did. These are descriptions of how Jesus lived in this world. This is how he lived. And therefore, this is how we live. So I encourage you also to take these uh, words home with you. And I want you to read them often. And think about how you are embodying these verses. How you are actually living them out. In your families, in your workplace, in your church community, in your school, in your friend groups. You know, sometimes it's a great question. I've been asked this recently, and I've been thinking about this recently. We talk a lot about loving others, but what does that really mean? You know, it's one thing to say uh, we need to love, but like what does it mean to love? We all have very different definitions and understandings of what love looks like. And I think this is a wonderful place to start. And I think Paul understood that love is complex and it's big and there's a lot of layers to it. And so Paul gave the Romans 29 different ways they could try to practice love in their house churches, in their communities, in the way they live publicly in the world right here in Romans. And so I think this is a wonderful place to start. If you don't know what it means to love somebody um, and and think through this, are you seeking to live these things out in your day-to-day life? And so let me read these for us. And then after that, we'll enter into a time of communion. Love must be sincere. This is how he starts this section. Hate what is evil and cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. Serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope. Patient in affliction. And faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. And mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. We're going to share communion. I will say, if you would like one of those cards that has that written out and you didn't get one, I'll have a few up here at the front that you can have uh, on your way out. But we're going to share communion this morning. And we have six values at Embrace that kind of guide who we are and how we live together in community here at Embrace that kind of uniquely describe us as a church. Most churches are fairly similar, but they're also unique. And so we wanted to try to articulate who we are at Embrace, what uniquely makes us our church. And our first value is that we keep Jesus at the center. That everything we do, all that we are about, we keep Jesus at the center. We interpret the entire scriptures through the lens of, Of Jesus and the Gospels and the cross and the resurrection and the scope of Jesus' life. And one way we keep Jesus at the center is we share communion each and every week. And we do this because we believe that, that we need to regularly be formed and shaped by this sacrament that we call Holy Communion. Because this is a forming practice, this is a shaping practice we do every week. When we come forward with our hands open admitting that we ultimately have nothing to offer unless Jesus comes and redeems us and works in our hearts and lives. That every single one of us is a sinner in need of God's grace. Romans teaches that. And so you are a sinner in need of God's grace, but also that person that you fail to get along with or that person you look down upon or that person that makes you uncomfortable is also a sinner in need of God's grace and is a a child of God who has been adopted into God's family. So when you come forward, we all come together with our hands open to receive that love and that grace that is offered to every single person in this room and that love and grace that's offered to the entire world because that's why God came and walked among us in human form. So every week we're reminded of what Jesus was about as well, his life, his death, his resurrection, the whole scope of it all. And this is a way that we stay grounded and stay centered in him. So when you come forward today, I encourage you just to to come forward just excited and and grateful to receive Christ um, as we share communion. If y'all want to bow your heads with me, I'm going to say a prayer for us. God, thank you so much for being here with us today. I thank you that your spirit is here working and moving in us. We thank you that we are transformed and molded and shaped not through uh, just trying really hard, but through inviting the Holy Spirit to move and work in us, inviting your power to move inside of us and shape us. And I pray this morning that we could be inspired and challenged to, to have that kind of openness and create that space in our lives for you to work and move. Help us, Lord, to have some honest reflection and look at ourselves and say, are we actually putting... The stuff that we believe into action, are we embodying this message? Are we embodying the gospels and what we read and the scriptures? Are we looking like you or not? And Lord, we confess to you that we are not there, that we have failed to love like you. We have failed to love you, Lord, with our entire heart and our mind and our strength and our will and our body and all of it, Lord. We failed to love our neighbors we failed to love ourselves and God we ask that you would forgive us this morning and not only that but empower us through your presence in our lives through the Holy Spirit through the power of the resurrection empower us to live differently and to walk that path that you've laid out before us Jesus we love you so much and Jesus we thank you that you love us That you love us so much that you have invited us to walk with you, to learn from you, to be shaped and molded by you. And Lord, we pray that we could keep our eyes fixed and focused on our guide because the path before us is very confusing and it's hard to even see where to step sometimes because we live in a dark, dark world. But God, I pray we would keep our eyes focused on you, our guide, and that we would follow you into the darkness and, and that you would help us to point out the beauty that's all around us and help us to see through the challenges and the hard things and have eyes like yours. We need you so much. We pray you pour out your Holy Spirit on this bread, this juice, that it would be for us the body and blood of Christ fill us up this morning in a fresh way. We pray we would leave here changed because we've encountered you, the living God. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said together, amen. I'm going to invite those who are helping me serve communion to come on up. If one other person would mind volunteering, that would be wonderful. Thank you, Sarah. I'm going to get things prepared, and then I'll invite you up in just a moment. So we take communion here at Embrace. I know we have some folks visiting, so I'll give a little bit of instruction. You can just line up and come down the center aisle. We'll form two lines down the center aisle. When you come forward, just have your hands open to receive the bread and juice. Um, We've been practicing this way since coming back from prepackaged elements where your server will rip off the bread for you and they'll dip it in the cup for you, place it in your hand. We do have Kleenexes if you need that afterwards. If you want to kneel at the altar, you're welcome to. Um, If you'd like me to to pray with you or talk with you, I would be happy to do that. I'll just be over on this side. Just come find me or call me over. Um, Pastor Tanya, I know, is in the back. And if you'd prefer to go back there and pray with her, you're invited to do that. We do have gluten-free options. If you need that, just let your server know. And if you would prefer to take communion in the back with the prepackaged elements, we do have some in the back of the room, and you can just go back there as well. So everybody's welcome to join us. You don't have to be a part of our church. If you want to know Jesus more, And you're invited to come. And so whenever you feel led, um, you're invited. Mm -hmm.
1: our prayer together today.
2: Thank you all for being here today. I invite you all to stand as you're able for the benediction. If you would like the card with the scripture on it, it's just up here at the front. You can come grab one on your way out. Um, And as always, if you ever need anything, ever want to talk about anything, ever feel confused or whatever about anything that's going on uh, at our church or in our community, uh, ever have questions about things we talk about in church or things we preach, then um, I love to have those conversations with you all. So reach out. Um, And let's get together. Um, So if y'all prepare your hearts for the benediction. May the love of God the Father, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forever. Amen. Go in God's peace. We'll see you next time.